0: Brace yourself, heroes! From project lead Apostol Ostolov and the talented community of DMs, we discuss grit and glory. For decades now, running realistic campaigns using the world's greatest role playing system has been a near impossible feat. Previous editions showered players with supernatural abilities and magic items until only monsters
1: of legend really presented a formidable challenge. Today, we discuss Grit and Glory, an advanced player's guide to low fantasy and expanded combat, equipment, attrition, and recovery rules that focus on gritty gameplay. Yes.
0: <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit
1: Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. Yeah, I'm your co-host, Brandon. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next D&D adventure.
0: (laughs) We are so excited to have you guys join us today. Um, This is something that uh, has been something I've put off uh, covering because it's not everyone's bag. But there's enough goodies here that every DM will pull something from it. I truly believe that.
2: Now, D and D Fifth Edition is a welcome break from tradition. It has the balance accuracy, a decent power curve, and flexible core rules that only need a few uh, minor tweaks here and there for campaigns where players struggle to survive and face the unexpected consequences of combat.
1: Unexpected, hmm? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great and glory <laughs> is your advanced player's guide to low yeah. fantasy and historic role playing. Uh, this book contains popular uh, house rules. And expanded combat equipment, attrition, and recovery rules that focus on realism and lethality.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, What's really cool about this, Grit and Glory is intended for campaigns where players and opponents are made using similar rules. A perfect example of these rules do best are human centric and low magic worlds such as Game of Thrones and Conan the Barbarian. While these rules support traditional dungeon delving. Most uh <laughs> monsters that scale far beyond the human capabilities are often dreadful encounters that make or break your players. <laughs> break. <laughs> if you are <laughs> <laughs> If you are looking for survival and horror fantasy like a Dark Souls or a Cthulhu Mythos, you can challenge your players with uncompromising difficulty. And attrition.
1: Yes, uh, these rules may appear overwhelming at first, but uh, all the rules are modular and can be introduced one by one into your game. So you slowly bring them into it, kind of thing. Uh, start with those that empower your players, such as combat options and realistic equipment. Mm-hmm. And slowly raise the stakes by bringing new recovery and wounds mechanics to your game. Wounds and recovery mechanics are best suited for campaigns starting at level 3 to 5. Yep. And can be very lethal at lower levels.
2: No, I actually want steak. You don't ship ideally. daily. Uh, join <laughs> us as we delve into this fantastic, and most importantly, free product. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lord. So So, um, here is
0: this fantastic look. First, I just want to say that the team that's behind Grit and Glory is um, surprisingly well-versed in the mechanics of D&D 5th edition. Um, you can see here that the, the team consists of a lot of variety of contributors, um, many of which are absolutely uh, phenomenal content creators. So um, if you haven't checked out GM Binder, this was created on the GM Binder platform um, where you can access a plethora of you know, homebrew content. Now, we typically don't cover stuff from GM Binder just because um, uh, there's oftentimes a lot of imbalance issues. And inexperience, uh, inexperience, basically. But this was one of the, the products that really made it into our eyes, and we wanted to cover it. Because, honestly, I don't know anything else, but I love Dark Souls, and I love a really good challenge in my games. What about you guys?
2: Dark- I mean, as long as I'm ready for it and have the mindset, I'm ready to
1: go. Dark Souls has pissed me off to no end. <laughs> How many controllers have you lost? None. None? None, because when I get to that point... It's- <laughs>
0: So there are a lot of different uh, core rules that go into making sure that this content is challenging. With that, um, that means there's a lot of variation on the more (coughs) common rules, such as exceptional success. Um, This, to me, was very, very interesting. If you beat an AC or a skill challenge uh, by 10 or more, it's considered an exceptional success. Um, and it basically for weapon attacks, it allows you to roll an additional weapon die before calculating damage. You can choose between the, uh, uh, the results. So basically it, even on a non crit, you get the opportunity to reroll, uh, dice, which means you might be able to get a higher number and thus more damage. So, um, that was something that was interesting to me because, It's already, at least in 5th edition, typically hard to get over a a 5 over the the target. (laughs) Um, But that depends on the monster, too, right? Some monsters have lower AC no matter what time you toss them. Um, Before I get into more of these, was there anything that really stood out to you guys as you were kind of going through this? Or is there anything you're expecting to see in here that (laughs) really just says, this is hardcore? I love hardcore. Well,
2: just looking at the index alone. Yes, they also have some changes to the rules are already there, which is fine. But they also have, like, uh, wounds, injuries, perils of combat, attrition and death, resting and recovery. Mm-hmm. And I really want,
0: like, the resting and recovery. We're going to talk quite a bit about that one.
2: Of course, what jumps out to me, too, is, like, a real, realistic melee, uh, weapons and armor. So. And
0: they try to go for a very, um, historic, I guess, uh, direction with these, which was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um And they also made some slight changes to, like, helping others. So when you use the help action uh, to aid a character in a task, you must have proficiency in that skill. This, to me, is fantastic. And that makes sense. Um, Because it it always bothered me when the wizard is trying to decrypt a complex glyphs and the barbarian rolls an 18. <laughs> and I'm like shit because you know you take the higher right And granting advantage to me. He would more be in the way than he would actually be helpful. So this is a rule I really liked.
2: What's that one say? This. What's that one say? Door. What's that one say? <laughs> <laughs> is. What's that one say? Booby be- trapped. <laughs> hey, this does the doors booby be- be- trapped. <laughs> the other, the other, the other
0: thing that I really like about this. So we're gonna kind of just go through that, and you can look at this as we do. Uh, we'll touch on some things more than others, but. Like here, it talks about special uh, contacts, which is a, a way to create um, a interesting NPC, I guess. Um, it's a variation, um, but to me, this wasn't exactly something that really uh, felt like it was necessary. Um, but I don't know how you guys uh, feel about it. Um, but it basically gives you a way to generate them, right? Um, They also did something different with inspiration points. The party can now earn up to three inspiration points instead of, you know, just uh, one.
1: One per session? Yeah. Is what it usually is?
0: Yeah. So, no, well, it's one at a time and you can't get more than that. Uh, The party earns inspiration points at the end of the session and it gives you a detailed breakdown for examples. I think this is something that um, the 5th edition uh, handbook really fell flat on. Um. So this kind of gives you some uh, uh, pointers, but in addition to that, it allows variant uses. It's no longer just inspiration grants advantage. Um, like, do you? What do you think about some of those options that the party can use inspiration points for? There, does any one of those jump out of you? <laughs>
2: Okay, I kind of look out what Garwin said. What's that? I like to mention that the reason that Barbarian can help the wizard is because he forces the wizard to explain things slowly, resulting in the wizard paying more attention to what he's doing. <laughs>
0: there you go. I like that.
2: <laughs> that is kind it, of funny. Actually, I like a lot
0: of those. Actually, any one in particular? Because the the initiative uh, uh, increase by ten for one combat is a fantastic use of inspiration, if you ask me. Ooh,
2: remove one failed death save or injury token. Yeah, yeah. Again. yeah. The
0: failed death save we will get to talk about injury tokens
1: later, too, yeah. which I really like. So some good stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> Reroll a damage roll rolled by a player or, or the DM. DM. Yes, I really so like that. The DM rolls really high. I'm like, no, I'm so, not doing that.
0: Remember, I told you while we're going to be talking hardcore, there's a lot of good little brew, homebrew rules in here that I think are uh, enhance the, the the play of the game of D&D. So, um, so balanced initiative. This is something that I thought was interesting. Uh, combat starts, every participant makes a dexterity check to determine the place initial. However, if the result in the die is equal or lower than the intelligence modifier, the participant may re-roll the d20 once, but must take the new result, even if it's lower. So, this to me is interesting. I would have expected them to change it to wisdom, Hmm. because keeping an eye out and being self-aware of what's going on, that to me makes more sense. What do you think about the intelligence? The re-roll mechanic's cool, though.
2: Yeah, the intelligence is kind of interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. that's definitely not the first thing that came to mind for me. And yeah. I'm with
1: you, too. I can definitely see more wisdom in that one. Yeah. But, hey. That's all I was saying. It's like, wisdom, uh perception based on wisdom? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. I, like I said, I don't yep. know their, their... It's actually worth noting that, that
2: in the uh, second edition of Pathfinder, the initiative is actually based on your perception score. Hmm. Yes, yes. And there's a few other options too, mind you, but that's the main one. Mm. And Some
0: homebrews allow, allow that where you do your decks and perception, uh, which is, or one or the other. Um, so they give some other stuff that's pretty interesting. Uh, some variant rules on ready in action. Uh, ready, act, uh, ready in action. Uh, they call it expanded ready to action right here, which basically uh, the normal rule is once you s- declare a ready to action under a specific condition, um, they kind of do away with that. Um, you can make split second statements and say before something happens, I will do this if you've readied your action. I like this because it basically says you're you're less likely to waste yeah. your action your' ready to action, which I thought was pretty cool um so this
2: but actually' talking about initiative and let me flash back to if I recall correctly, I could be wrong mind you that but like mm-hmm. I think in the advanced d and d the way initiative worked is technically on paper. All the actions in theory actually occur at the same time. So how that that would work in theory, for example, is let's say you hit a, let's say like uh, you go on the initiative order as normal. You hit that kobold. You do killing damage to the kobold and kills him. But the kobold still gets his turn to attack mm-hmm. and then drops dead at the end of initiative.
0: <laughs> oh, I like that. What is that in?
2: That's one of the earlier editions of D and D. That is
0: really cool. Yeah, that's almost like they get a. a, a, a... Uh, A last stand sort of thing. That's pretty cool.
2: Well, well, the idea is everybody's acting at once. Yes. Why, so... That is really cool. I like that.
0: Um, So the one thing that really stood out to me is they touch on the fact of wounds and that Dungeons & Dragons representation of loss of hit points obscures the truth of a painful blow and suffering and death. Now, I think this is specifically because... Some people treat hit points as meat points, and that's not the case. And um, in the in the in the player's handbook specifically calls this out. But if you do treat them as meat points, then of course it's not going to make sense.
2: And I've had so many dumb arguments occur with yeah. this. Mm.
0: But they did they decided that we needed a a wounds threshold, which I think is is really cool. Um, should a character ever take damage greater than their quote unquote wound threshold, they suffer what's called wound risk. Um, And this adds a variety of different effects, such as bleeding, which I think is really, really good. Um, Now, if anybody reads the Cobalt Press material, they have a lot of bleed mechanics in their uh, stuff already. So this one just kind of takes that and applies it to a threshold. Kind of like you have to do a certain number of damage before you get this bonus effect. But um, what's interesting is they stack. What? nothing? Yeah, I don't know why it's falling uh they stack so you can get multiple tokens of bleed and it stacks on top which is terrifying when you think about it uh-huh. um because if you have got five little goblins and they all inflict a wound on you that's 5 points every round well yeah and no well it's more than that it depends on the weapon dice the bleeding uh bleeding out um uh depends on the uh uh, uh the weapon used so um, and there's a lot of good stuff. If you're interested in this, please head on over to CritAcademy.com and check out our blog. we got a link right to this on the GM binder. Um, beyond that, they talk about injuries. Now, injuries is kind of in 5th edition, and the DMG is an optional yeah. rule.
2: And that's what I do touch on chat, too, is there are some more gritty rules that are mentioned mm-hmm. as optional rules in the DMG. But yeah. as you can see here with that grit and glory, that's hardly the only option, though. Yes,
0: and that's what I think makes it interesting, Right. So they have uh um what's called severities, right? And different uh it's based on the number of injury tokens you have. Mm-hmm. Uh which occurs from falling unconscious, which I love. The idea of being punishment for just falling unconscious punishes the person who acts recklessly. Yep. So um what's cool about this is you know they got a little table and you roll 46 and it tells you whether it's a minor or uh, a medium. Um, which means affecting saving throws or uh, um, even affecting the the damage <laughs> that the attack does. So the more severity the token or the more severity of the tokens you have, the easy it is to be more severely punished when you're struck, which I think is very intriguing. Um, what do you guys think of the idea of having a, a stacking severity where the regular attack that hits you now has additional effects? Like breaking concentration uh, and, and, and forcing con saves and increasing damage.
1: I think it's going to make players think twice before doing certain actions.
0: Yes. Well, and I think that's part of it, right? But what's really cool is they do touch on an act, another option called overcoming pain. So if you are being struck and damaged, you can actually roll um, to kind of withstand. Um, the the damage and potentially not get the token. I think this is cool because very rarely is constitution come into play. You know, you have a few spells that affect it, but for the most part, it doesn't do a whole hell of a lot. Um, so this really gives you a reason to want to toss points into constitution more than just hit points. Right? Uh, and obviously there's a lot through this, so we're not going to be able to cover everything. Um, but there are once again, this is just a, a, a fantastic uh, addition to any DM's uh, toolkit, even if you only pick or choose one or two th- things. Um, Brandon, what do you think about this? Uh, uh, can you tell them about this uh, Perils of Combat section? Yeah,
1: Perils of Combat. These optional rules are the last step towards extreme realism and lethality in combat. Introduce them only to players and campaigns where a victorious fighter could still succumb to bleeding out or untreated wounds. Let's see. They got some options here. They got realistic bleeding. Uh, bleeding out of combat. Oh, that was suck. <laughs> like it we won. Stop. I'm still gonna die. Um, and this is something
0: that I've done before. I've uh, leveraged loot loss of hit dice, right, as a form of um, out of combat. You know, hit yeah, point loss that hurts. Yeah, I'm a. Dick that really
1: right hurts inside.
0: <laughs> I like the festering wound, um, because it's a uh, if it's not taken care of, it slowly begins to affect not only your ability to gain long rests. But also, it reduces your maximum hit point uh, size oh, um, by a hit die value, which is terrifying as a player. <laughs> like um, To me, that's super intriguing and a really well-thought-out mechanic, I think. Once again, you know what I noticed about this? Medicine be- has just become a way more important skill than it currently is. Yep. And to me, that's huge because we don't, you don't get a lot of that. You
1: use it to stabilize people, Right. Me using it to suture wounds properly; otherwise, yeah. you end up yeah. with that with festering wounds. Yeah, and at the bottom, that just makes that worse. Um, and Ghostlight
2: in chat says he actually uses the grievous wounds table from the Grim Hollow campaign. Grim Hollow, oh my
0: gosh, yes, that's a great, uh, great uh, book and uh, great rule set for the grievous wounds. Um, that's definitely one that I really like to. We need to cover that. I don't know why I haven't. I don't know. Um, you... <laughs> There's too many things in the world to cover. So, um, the other thing that I really like is they give uh. Options for like wounds and stuff and scars that affect others' attitude towards you, uh, which is really really cool. Um, uh, when you start to get all hideous and nasty, um, <laughs> no way, no uh, uh, what is it, swine or wenches are going to really uh look your way at all. <laughs>
2: okay. And actually, remember when we did like a skill challenge in the past, speaking of like uh, using medicine skills. Mm-hmm. I actually, actually, like, I want a skill challenge where actually getting injured matters and just casting cures not going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> you are you, in that challenge, right? I don't remember. Basically, like, uh, like, a VIP got hit with a poison arrow, but the arrow had enchantments on it that reacts violently mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> to magic. Yes, yes, I do remember that skill challenge. That was really well done you did you wrote that one right yeah
2: it was really yeah of course, that's why he's like yeah, yeah it's like i just didn't want like uh cure wounds just to solve an injury for yeah. once <laughs> and and that's a really good point so yeah.
0: they touch on healing here which i think is really cool uh mm-hmm. we mentioned medicine skill becoming more valuable so does the healing healers kit in the herbalist kit and they've added a surgeon's kit which is really cool and they come with a variety of tools to Um, healing hit points to closing wounds to removing festering wounds um, resuscitating uh this is interesting so to resuscitate it requires a use of the healer's kit to attempt to stabilize and return a creature to life despite clinical quote-unquote death which is awesome now the dc is ridiculous (laughs) so the 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 DC uh, a check for this is a DC 30 minus 5 for each successful death save the creature had before dying. So, wow. that's really intriguing. So, the more their body fights off death and staves it off, the
1: easier it is to resuscitate them. And I think that's cool as hell. <laughs> I just like the fact that they touched on the herbalist, herbalist and the healer's kit. Because when you look in the books, there's no real... Nothing. Description there. for them. They're like, hey, you have a kit. How does it work? I don't know. Figure it yeah. out.
2: And they're there, and I feel like they're decent at load levels, but they just stop being effective.
1: Not I
2: think very long in my opinion, the
0: healer feet is what the healer kit should do on its own.
2: Yeah. Agreed. Um,
0: but that's just from Justin's opinion, and apparently um Ian's too. So uh and of course there's diseases and diseases and rules for taking uh care of characters who are injured during long rests, <laughs> so which agree. I think is cool. <laughs> Uh, attrition and Death is another one that talks about lingering uh, conditions and new conditions uh, in combat. Bloodied is one I am super familiar with, and I love it, mm-hmm. and I have gradually been adding it more and more to my monsters. If you don't know, that was a 4th edition mechanic that signified when a monster or character hit half hit points of their maximum. Generally, some powers could be used, some spells, some features would trigger, um, and it was a very... Uh, nice um, feature. I like bloody. That was fun. But then, once again, in the context of what hit points represents in 5th edition, yep. it makes less sense uh, than it did in other uh, early 4th uh, edition, at least. So,
2: Or at least it functions in a different way. Yes. So, um,
0: so they also give you some other uh, conditions, like beaten when you're below a quarter of your max hit points. You are beaten, your body is a mess and bleeding open wounds, cracked are splintered bones or much worse, you experience severe pain simply by moving. <laughs> so, when you become beaten for the first time in combat and you have two or fewer levels of exhaustion, you gain a level of exhaustion. You gain a level of exhaustion for dropping be- oh, below oh my God. A, cu- a quarter of your hit points.
2: And I got to admit, that does actually make sense.
0: That is... That is <laughs> savage as hell.
1: Oh, so man. So if you have two or fewer you game one, so it looks like it's not... It does a stop at two, yeah. two yeah. But
0: yeah. still, two levels, that's what is that half movement and disadvantage on ability checks? It's not good. Um, Which is just savage. Which is part of the the challenge, right? Yep. I mean, look at exhaustion. The, um... So, they do talk about stabilizing characters, and there's, uh... Uh, A variety of different uh, rules that I think are pretty cool. They also have uh, what's called that death's door option. So the more dramatic and engaging encounters with death, the DM may allow this variant rule, which allows you to um, uh, float around a little longer, I guess, Uh, (laughs) which is interesting. Um, How about uh, expanded exhaustion? Ooh. This is what's something I feel like every
1: DM has been asking for. Uh, this is something that just needs to be looking at. What? You love exhaustion? I do, but I like how it works as is. Mm. <laughs> I'm
0: one of the few, I think. Because <laughs> uh, people say that it's too punishing, right?
2: Yep. Um, and so... Yep, and uh, for the record, two shields of exhaustion, one disimagine ability checks, two speed half. It is, okay. So, yep.
0: um, For this one, they, they, they slow it down. Um, so now at one level, you have disadvantage on strength and dex ability checks only. So it doesn't affect your per, your per, uh, investigation or your, your um, uh, persuasion or anything like that. At second level, it's disadvantage. Uh, your speed is halved and anyone can tell you're tired uh, with a DC 10 wisdom. So that's basically the same there. Except for now, they're giving you rules that, man, you're looking really tired. It's very clear. Um, and it continues to go up. Between soft exhaustion and it gives you DCs that the character can ignore it, which is where that con, high con comes into benefit oh, again, which is really, really cool. What they added that I think is really cool is mental exhaustion. <laughs> uh, and this can come from <laughs> just studying and deciphering and problem
1: solving, which is sweet as hell. That's not something i never considered. Have you? No, not at all. Whenever I think of exhaustion in D and D, I think of physical actions like, Oh, you've been you've been walking for two weeks straight, you got it. you're gonna drop to the ground.
2: Also I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty sure half of the time it went out exhaustion with my barbarian was because he was an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> thinking of funny. exhaustion,
1: if you have a wizard who's sitting there trying to like decipher the door you were talking about mm-hmm. and he's spending hours on it, he's like, Okay, you gain one level of mental because... You've been staring at this for so long, and your brain's been overactive.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so
0: they expanded on the conditions as well. Not only did they alter some of the existing ones. Uh, they had a <laughs> Uh Grappled was already a uh, ex- uh, condition. More, more to it. They, but they, add, they expanded on it, and that yeah. <laughs> that's important. Because um, they do that for almost all of them. But they added new ones, and some of them are really cool. I love the pin condition, um, which is for people who want to do what? Knock people to the ground and 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 just instead of it being it just knocked prone, there's now a new uh a condition called pin, which is really really cool, which means they, they it brings some of the older style play and also opens up coup de grace so <laughs> which is nice um Do any of these sound interesting to you guys?
1: Shaken, nauseated, not stirred, horrifying sight or powerful tag. That's really neat. The nauseated is pretty
0: cool. Um, how about how, who doesn't want to vomit in the middle of battle? <laughs> dazed. Uh, that was something that was really popular in fourth edition. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm feeling like there's a lot of stuff that was brought in from fourth edition because it was a little more um tactical in combat wise. Um, dazed creatures can't take reactions and uh, may use either an action or a bonus action. So in uh. Capes and Crooks, I had did uh, something like this, but it was shocked. So if you were struck by lightning spells, you had a chance to be shocked, and it did the same thing. Um, So... Pain racked. Pain Wrecked. That's a big one. There's a lot of detail in that um, that I just think really uh, requires a lot of rules. I would say if there's one downside that I have to all this, it's that um, there's certainly more um, required memorization of what stuff does, which I guess is how it was with some of the other additions. There's so many rules that it's easy to forget what they do and spend time, you know, looking them up. Um, Rest and recovery, they added something that I love. Brandon, would
1: you tell us about the breather? Breather. Taking a breather is a short period of rest, at least five minutes long after a strenuous activity. Uh, During that time, you may rest, shake your thirst and hunger, or check on a single wound and bandage it. During a breather, you may spend one hit dive for healing. ...or removing a wound. If a hit die is spent, to heal. uh, You roll the die and add a constitution modifier to it. You regain hit points equal to the total. Think about that. So in opportunities where they can't take a short
0: rest or a long rest... ...they can take short breathers, right? Leading up. So you can go through multiple encounters with a breather in between... ...spending hit dice to heal yourself or tending to your wounds to remove the wounds... Um, which is just really, really cool. It's not nearly as strong as a short rest or a long rest, but it can be one extra hit die of hit points can be the difference between somebody going down uh, in the next encounter. And so it's great for chain encounters, I think. You have a full rest. So um, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, It's basically 24 hours um, where you sleep at least six and you perform light activities, uh, non-strenuous details. Um, but it helps you, uh, it, I do like that it does, they do include requiring, uh, rations or food. Um, in one of the TikToks and YouTube videos I did, I talked about long rest and short rest requiring a certain amount of sustenance to even gain the effects of, um, some people really liked the idea. Some people didn't. I totally have, was just playing crown of the magister. Um, so I thought that that was a cool mechanic and they do include that a little bit here, but it's very in-depth in, in details. So you'll have to read through it yourself to get all the little details. Cause I realize we're really running out of time. Uh,
2: I mean, let's we'll be real here. It is a 109 page document. Yes, there is huge. a lot here
0: wow. and there's no
2: way we can touch on everything.
0: <laughs> I do think it's cool. They did some really good expanding upon the combat options, which is nice. Once again, I see more of the fourth edition stuff, such as marking um overrun and tumble they basically took rules out of the dmg and altered and hand stump which is really cool disarming i don't know how i feel about that because i don't think you need a rule for that that to me should just be a contested check um but they make it a dc it looks like here um i'm not i don't really know how i feel i feel like i mean it does go into more detail and if you want that nitty-gritty detail then you know that's going to work for you i feel like that stuff's a little unnecessary but i feel like that's what they're going for with this anyway Mm. um so this is interesting combat options uh you get power attack is brought back right before you make an attack you can take a minus five penalty and then increase the damage basically um and it's a same thing but with finesse if you take a feint um, shove and trip and reach and pole arm stuff. They have rules for that. Um, the new condition, uh, dominance, is pretty cool. Uh, when you have advantage on your attack rolls against a target and the target doesn't have the same benefit against you or a hostile creature that attacks you has disadvantage to its attack rolls and you don't suffer the same penalty, this condition is called dominance. You can also benefit uh, uh, benefit from dominance if your target is standing on difficult terrain. Um, basically it gives you a, uh, increase, uh, range of like critical strikes, uh, as far as I can understand it and additional options that you can do as long as you have dominance, which basically is, don't do it, Anakin. I was just thinking I have the <laughs> <a> higher ground. <laughs> yep. So they give a mechanic for that, which is pretty cool. Um, and they do what we kind of did with weapon, <laughs> weapon perks, except they're not tied to weapons, just features staggering. You have a chance to, uh, um, Slow somebody's movement by you know smashing them and then dropping them to the drone. Um, So there's a lot of these. Obviously, we can't uh, uh, cover all of them, as you can tell on the screen. The layout is really nice too. Yeah, that's one thing I like about GM Binder. It does a really good job of making people who don't have necessarily the layout experience. Not saying that these guys don't, but it's a powerful tool for getting good looking stuff without really knowing what you're doing.
2: I mean, if you told somebody this was a published document by like a a professional. Publisher, I believe. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and that's a compliment. I like the <laughs> for art. Sure.
1: It, it's all very consistent.
2: Yes.
0: yes. Uh, it is worth noting that I don't know they got permission to use some of this art. I saw links to everything <laughs> in the beginning, um, but uh, it is a free product that's, you know, fan made. Uh, the stuff they did with stealth is pretty cool. They give some rules for like gagging people um, and chokeholds. <laughs> Which is really cool.
2: Silent takedown.
0: Um, So the silent takedown. Taking a, you know, immobilizing and uh, incapacitating a target without actually having to attack them outright, which is very cool.
1: You can make Batman. You can make
0: Batman. (laughs) Um, So this is really cool. They give you a nice little grid based on um, theater of the mind games.
2: Oh, they brought back Charge. They
0: did. (laughs) They it's, it's about it's a couple different things. Yep. Um, and this is pretty cool. I think it's really nice. We're not going to spend much time in it, but it basically gives you kind of a uh, rock, paper, scissors theme. Mm-hmm. So uh, you get dash actions over, or, or over uh, wins over somebody that's using an intercept rea- uh, a- reaction. And then that wins over somebody that takes the engage action. And that wins over somebody that takes the dash. It's a whole rock and paper, scissors thing, which is really cool. Yeah.
2: Let's jump back to the index briefly, give like a quick scroll through so this can... Like, gracias uh, again. Yep, and online. you can pick this up. We
0: have a link to it on our website at, at CritAcademy.com.
2: Uh, oh,
0: next page. That's all the artwork.
2: Yeah. See, yeah. so like, I see yeah. Guild
0: Wars two artwork in there. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fan created. <laughs> no rules apply apparently. Ah, siege weapons. Um, so they give all kinds oh. of different details. They do have uh, character options, which I think is cool. They added sub skills, which expands on the skill sets, kind of like the race and sub races, which is really dope. Um, inventory
1: slots. Ah. Uh, <laughs> not sure
0: how I feel about that um, but the way I understand it and I, I think this is a one if I click it it talks about having belt belt pockets and I think some items that are quote unquote prepared can be used as like a, a, a free action as opposed to uh, uh, like a potion uh, requiring a, you know an action to drink or something if it's in your belt pouch it's free I guess or a bonus
1: I'm not sure right it kind of makes it. sense I mean if it's, it's right there it's ready to go instead of <sighs> reaching into your backpack to grab it realistic encumbrance, get that shit out of my games.
2: Yeah. Unless
0: you're trying to carry a giant treasure chest, I'm not worried about it. But some people like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'd pretty much tell my players, as long as you're not trying to do something ridiculous, don't worry about it. Yeah.
0: Some people don't feel that. But there's obviously a lot of options here. Um, And they do give rules if you decide to run a more high magic. But this is definitely designed for a low magic game. Um, So keep that in mind. And if you do decide you want to run something deadly like this, uh, with all these different rules, make sure you give the book to your players in advance and talk about what you're going to do and how you're going to run it because um, not everyone's going to be in and, and on top of that and enjoying it. So with that, I think I think that'll do it for our main topic today. Um, we This is Grit and Glory, and Glory. Um, an advanced player's guide to... Combat, I think, is what it says. Uh, dungeon, uh, extra rules a Dungeon Master needs for running gritty and realistic adventures with the world's greatest role-playing game. So uh, if you tried this or this is something that interests you, please let us know. You can send us an email at academy at gmail.com. With that, let us move on to our Unearthed Tips and Tricks.
2: And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our unearth Tips and Tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Well, for starters here, our character concept is Wing of the Wind, who also happens to be a female tabaxi. And description-wise, she stands about, oh, I don't know, seven foot two inches, and wears a shirt that's probably too small. Revealing a thin black coat with a silver streak in it. Her tail is matching a patch of fur and appears to be, uh, burned and slightly disfigured. Her eyes, though, are not visible through her cow- cowl, but they are amber. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Personality-wise, she is definitely cocky and sure of her show. And she believes she is the best artisan sculptor born in recent years. Uh, well, hey, last year we had a puppet guy, <laughs> and now we have a sculptor. <laughs> She does not seem to trust anyone and will sleep with one eye open. Given the save her tale, that might be understandable, given how it may or may not have been done. And that may be necessary when she takes uh, four or five nights a day. <laughs> yeah. um, Gotta beware those uh, short rest and dungeons. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny. History. History. A passing artist inspired her into the art of sculpting. She has chosen to use the inheritance that was left to her travels... Left to her travels and personal lessons uh, from some of the best. She took up adventuring to seek new works of art and inspiration, because there's nothing more inspiring than watching a dragon destroying a town. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's really pretty. I'm going to paint it.
0: Uh, Vandal, right? Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what do you guys think overall? I mean, this is a pretty straightforward NPC. It's got interesting concept.
2: Ah, uh-huh. and her motivation to, to found their own art studio, <laughs> which I think is really cool. It's a nice touch. I like that. Yeah.
0: Um. Any uh, other uh, points on this before we move on
1: to our? Uh...
2: <laughs> it's always nice to see how players can integrate being an artiste into their character.
1: <laughs> I love to see someone who's running this, and they like they finally beat down this bad guy. Like, okay, we're done. We can move forward. And then they're like, oh, no, wait. You see the paneling in this room? I really want to take a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me?
2: I think uh, we all kind of touched on this before, but like, I'm picturing potentially a Bob Ross character. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I love it.
2: All right. Let's paint that pr- a uh, happy little t- tree. <laughs> See, look at this sculpture. Isn't that nice? it nice? It's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that'll do it for our character concept.
0: Ian, would you like to tell us about our monster variant? Is it Ian? I think it's Ian. Yep. Sorry, Ian.
2: Yep. Our monster variant starts off as, and yes, we are not making this up, Optimus Primal. I actually I guess we are kind of making it up. <laughs> it's, <hey. laughs> it's Ultimus. Ultimus Primal.
1: <laughs> it is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, the
2: uh, origins there. of Weirbore, which loses... The mall, the charged, tusk, and the hybrid form. New features, vulnerable to adamantine weapons and acid, and immune to charmed, exhaustion, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, and caveat poisoned. (laughs) And they have the false appearance of, uh, when they transformed, it's indistinguishable from an artificer's wagon. Or semi truck, depending
1: on the site. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't say a ch- fire truck.
0: They're not nothing.
1: <laughs> Roll out. When it uses shape shifting power, it can turn into <laughs> it can turn into battle form or travel form. While in travel form, it gains a plus thirty to its speed, and uh, it's got the overrun ability. That's travel only. It's travel form only. If if the Ultimus Primal, <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't Primal moves at least 15 feet in a straight line toward a target and then hits it with its ram attack on the same turn, the target takes an extra 7 or 2d6 bludgeoning damage. If the target is a creature, it must succeed on a DC 16 strength saving throw or be knocked prone. The new features
0: uh, for attacks are the Arcane Axe. Um, which is a melee weapon with a plus 5 to hit, a 5-foot reach, and does 1d12 plus 3 radiant damage. And, of course, we're going to give it the Arcane Blaster because Ultimus Primal has to have a blaster, right? That has a range of 90 to 180. It deals 3d6 radiant damage.
1: Oh, my God, it has leadership.
0: (laughs) And, of course, it has leadership. So, for one minute, the Ultimus Primal can utter a command... Uh, Oral warning. Whenever a non-hostile creature that it can see within 30 feet of it makes an attack roll or saving throw, the creature can add a d4 to the roll, provided it can hear and understand Ultimus. A creature can benefit from only one leadership die at a time. This effect ends if the Ultimus is incapacitated. (laughs) What the
2: (laughs) fuck? Yeah. And also some reactions. Run over, which is... An option was in this tr- travel mode. Ultimus Primal targets one prone creature within 20 feet. in other words, it backs so up the guy just ran over. <laughs> 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 <you shitting> <laughs> the target must succeed on the GC 16 deck saving throw or take another 2 6 exploding damage. <sighs> can, can also move on to half his movement speed. Oh, just a second. <laughs> Alright, <well,
0: laughs> What do you guys think of Ultimus?
2: I'm not gonna lie. I'm actually half surprised he didn't make a Warforge that, that took classes in Druid. <laughs>
0: Um, I had considered it, but I didn't want to I didn't want to do uh that's a lot of extra work on me. <laughs> this
1: just works. Okay, so <laughs> Optimus Prime aside. Ultimus Primal. Yeah, I'm I'm specifically saying what what I just said. Uh, <laughs> said <of> this. <laughs> I like the creature. It sounds fun and I sure it would get a bunch of laughs out of the uh of others of <laughs> uh, the other players. It makes a strange heeker noise. Chase <laughs> and it runs over them, and and the players are not going to know what the creature is called unless you tell them. Yeah, unless you tell them, mm-hmm. so you can like have uh, someone who has animal handling or nature, and like, hey, you, want, you, you can throw a check for this to figure out what it is. Hey, the guys in the chat are digging it. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> like, what is this beast called? Oh, you you remember reading a book something called alt Ultimus Primal? And you're probably going to go, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, If Troy's listening, I'm sure he's doing it
0: right now. <laughs> um, all right. I think that'll do it for our character concept. If you like this concept, everything that we create on the show gets published in our monthly magazine, The Unearthed Tips and Tricks. Um, this will be in the September issue that Lot releases, obviously, after the end of the month, into next month. Um, also, patrons get this for free, as well as fully fleshed out lore and um, stat blocks and, you know, even character uh, lore that they can share with the players. So, um, that's how we roll around here. Ah, no, the guys are saying,
2: other boars roll out.
0: Ah! <laughs> uh, <laughs> <all> righty. <laughs> Holy shit. Shall we move on to our encounter?
1: <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah, t- three. One shall tree, one shall timber. <laughs>
1: Brandon. <laughs> it. Okay, so our encounter of the podcast is called Death Recon, and I like this idea because a lot of encounters that we experience as players and such, it, there's not a whole lot of this that I see, and I like the idea. Most times run in or sneak in, and try to assassinate somebody. And this has nothing to do with that. Really, uh, the characters are tasked by Anastria Wing a half-elf veteran, to delve into a thick, swampy marsh. The smell of rotting carcasses and foliage fills the air. Deep in the marsh tower lies the hollow, verdant tower. Hey, look! I found three castles! (laughs) castles. (laughs) (laughs) Built on top of each other! (laughs) A character who succeeds on a DC-16 history check knows that the tower was built in the marsh by elves centuries ago. Now, it is the spawning ground of demons. Yah! Anastria uh, needs the characters to map the area thoroughly, especially monster layers and traps. She iterated, don't get in over your heads. We're planning on sending a whole battalion through to deal with the inhabitants, but we need the intel first.
2: What's to know? Fireball from orbit It's the only way. <laughs> <laughs> um, know, aliens <laughs> reference. The marsh area is filled <laughs> with vile creatures such as gray bears, grungar, tanked treants, and way, way, way more. Many have lairs and territories that they are very protective of. The tower itself houses a doorway to the demon's home plane. And I'm not talking about the arrow variety. <laughs> While there is a variety of different demon types in the tower, there should be more than one that is terrible and not something the characters should be able to defeat with blades and spells. Ooh. The Baylor, Yuck, the Marlith, and the Ghebrezu... I can pronounce <laughs> to name a few. <laughs> they should require that the characters focus on recon and stealth, locating opportunities to distract or avoid the dangerous enemies. And if you want to take it a step further, you can add a twist by giving one of the PCs a different, separate side mission that they're trying to accomplish. This is great for the rogues and the characters with the criminal background. <laughs> and uh, every apparently other
0: apparently our show is like a stream by dads <laughs>
2: <laughs> that there's jokes. only one dad here
1: d and dads I'm the only dungeons and it. dads that's got to be a thing already probably i don't want to get sued it is d and dads because uh myself and someone made up the hashtag on tiktok nah. Dungeons and dads anyways uh there they are the uh, all right so uh what do you guys think about this
2: encounter I like the fact that it actually disagrees with Calumet because you will be murdered <laughs> if you try to do it. Probably, depending on how high or low you are. Um, it's worth and, noting,
0: if you didn't recognize any of the monsters, those are almost all, uh, or many of them are Crit Academy created monsters. You can fill them in with whatever monsters you want, but those are ones that we've created and are awesome. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because I wrote them. But <laughs> um, well, it does conchip I do, yeah. I, do. <laughs> I like this because it's a, it's one where the there is a circumstance that can arise where the player characters cannot win and are forced to retreat or come with it come to an agreement with the monsters.
2: And I actually kind of like picture like the Leatherhead uh, Hookies mission. Many of you may not survive, but that's a chance <laughs> I'm willing to take.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, am I wrong? No, not at all. So to me. <laughs> uh what makes us really good is the fact that it allows the player who loves to explore an opportunity to shine the people that love lore the people that love you know exploration and role play that's going to really um
2: I can also play out s- well here. It's like a spellcaster is focusing on abilities to escape or yes. slow down enemies. Because think about it: if they know this going in ahead of time, they're likely to prepare yep.
1: spells that are designed for that. And it's also mm-hmm.
0: something so that's so gonna, they
1: don't. It's going to take the uh, the tanks, the heavy fighters, out of their comfort zone, especially people who yep. wear heavy armor, because you get disadvantage on stealth checks with that shit, don't you? Yep. Yeah, you have to take that shit off. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you... Do you have leather armor in a size 7?
2: <laughs> Dude, Sir Clank's a lot.
1: Sir Clank's a lot?
2: Can you please put away your torch? <laughs> we keep being ambush. out through see why. <laughs> clank, clank, clank.
0: The only source of light is a torch. Uh, Alright, I think that'll do it for our encounter.
2: Ooh, I can actually picture, like, the rangers or, like, the rogues setting up traps as they go along. <laughs> mm, that's a good idea. Just kind of like a, a
0: fallback. <laughs> well, not only that, but this is... Once again, rangers don't get a lot of love. So if you set this up in an area that's your rangers' favored terrain, they will finally get to shine with that, which is awesome because they don't get enough love for that. So um, I think that'll do it for our uh, encounter, Death Recon, which is a great name, so kudos to whoever came up with that. Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Our magic item of the podcast is the Emerald of the Live Blessing Rune a wondrous item that's very rare and does require attunement. This flower-shaped stone measures about two inches on each side and half an inch thick with a live rune carved into it. The gem is translucent and radiates a faint emerald green light from its core. The emerald has the following properties, which works only while on
2: your person. Infest! You can cast the Infest cantrip from Venomars!
1: So, uh, nature's ally. Uh, You have advantage on all saves against poison and disease effects, magical or otherwise. Nice. That's a really good one.
2: And Nature's Bounty. You can cast a Goodberry spell without expending a spell slot. And you can't use this feature again until next dawn. You also get Gift of the Wild. You can transfer the
0: Emerald's Magic from a non-magical item uh, uh, to a non-magical item, a weapon or a suit of armor uh, or hide armor or whatever. Uh, by tracing the live the live rune uh with your finger, the transfer takes eight hours and uh requires uh the two items be within five feet of each other until the end. The um, emerald is destroyed in the process, and the rune appears um in green upon the chosen
1: item so that you're saying you can change the emerald into attach to a weapon. You don't change
0: it, you attach it to something that already exists. Yep. So um, I did not come up with this idea. In the Storm King's Thunder campaign, there are several runes that can transfer their power from the stone that they're in to an object. Or you can keep the stone or the, the item and not transfer its power and keep it as is. Because they give you different powers depending on how you utilize it. So yep. this one, what happens when you uh, imbue it to a weapon?
1: Uh, oh, I, I see where we're going. at. So if you imbue it into a weapon... It's effect uh, changes. The effect changes. The weapon is now a very rare magic weapon that mm-hmm. requires attunement. Uh, nature's tendril vines sprout from your weapon on occasion and bind your foe. Mm. When you roll a critical hit on a creature, the creature takes an extra 3d6 piercing damage and becomes restrained. Yikes. A creature restrained by the vines can use its action to make a DC 15 strength mm-hmm. check. Uh, success, it frees itself. Nice. Also,
0: if you imbue the item, uh, or the, imbue the uh, emerald into a piece of armor, um, it becomes very rare and requires attunement, and the armor gain, uh, gains 1d4 charges. Um, and you can, use these spe- uh, you can use these charges to release an explosion of grass, vine, branches, and other vegetation that weaves itself uh, over your body into a temporary armor for up to one minute. You can use a bonus action to end this effect. You gain a +1 to your armor class and gain 44 +3 temporary hit points while wearing this nature uh, this nature armor. If a creature hits you with a melee attack within five feet of you, it takes 1d4 piercing damage. Additionally, when you use this attack, uh, use the attack action to grapple a creature. The creature. Uh, or a creature grapples you, they also take 1d4 piercing damage. The armor regains all expended charges daily. If you expend the armor's last charges, roll a d20 on a one, the armor and and rune is consumed, um, or the, the rune on the armor is consumed and the armor becomes mundane once again. What do you guys think about this magic item?
2: You can do a lot with it. There are options. And it sounds fun. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I really, I really like these. It's like having gemstones in Diablo, but the stones actually do shit before you put them in stuff.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. And it's really cool. I like the variation. I like that it gives the players options, so they really have to pick what it is that's interesting to them and whether they're going to get a more benefit out of it. For um, and it's really cool because you may need somebody that maybe you keep running out of heels and need more potency, so keeping it as a a stone emerald might be more beneficial. Or maybe you need more damage and you like the idea of restraining, so attaching it to a weapon. I love the idea of giving that to a monk with a staff. And then having a chance to, for the vines to, like, you know, wreathe around them and lock them in place. So, uh, Alright, I think that'll do it for our magic item, the Emerald of the Live Blessings Rune. Our Dungeon Master tip is take a breather. We talked about this briefly.
2: Sometimes our characters are in a situation where an hour-long rest is just not really possible, but they have taken plenty of damage from ongoing encounters. Mm -hmm. This is really common in dungeons, or while in an enemy fortress. Taking a breather is a short period of rest that allows the characters to recover hit points without regaining additional recharge features, such as a practice action surge, and I do want to point out that in previous editions, there have been times where a short rest is actually five minutes, not yeah, one hour. Yeah, 4E specifically, I remember. E, right. And oh. that was my first edition for the record, yeah. so yeah. And actually the, uh, was it called in the fourth edition? It's the mechanic where hit dice came from. The, um, healing surges? Yeah. Surges, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, this is perfect for, for, uh, sprints of encounter after encounter. <laughs> uh, during a breather, a character can spend one hit die for healing. Mm-hmm. You roll the die and add your constitution modifier to it and regain hit points equal to your total. Yeah this, so, yeah, this really is perfect as it doesn't give them
0: the full benefits of a short rest, but in fact significantly limited since they can only spend one hit die per breather, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, the more enemies they avoid, the more they can spend for the next engagement, which is really very cool. It's kind of a, a two-way opportunity, I think, because if the characters are so weak but can't get a a short rest they're encouraged to avoid avoid encounters so they can slowly bandage up and restore their health so when they finally do enter an encounter they're ready to go um obviously this was uh talked about in our grit and glory um it's totally why i I think i've included this because i think it's absolutely something that dms should consider if they like to run chain encounters um, through dungeon uh, delving, etc.
2: I um, do think the one hit die was a nice touch too. Yes.
0: So, uh, all right, that'll do it for our dungeon master tip. Taking a breather. Our player tip of the podcast is: don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And
1: yeah. Brandon, why don't you tell them how they can avoid dickitude? You can avoid being an absolute dick by handling superior forces. Uh, the art of war for D and D players. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, there are many times when you need to defeat a force that can outfight you in a straight-pitched battle. Assuming you are unable to sneak around the enemy or avoid them in some way, uh, there are several strategies that you can use.
2: And also, weakening a force by separating them from each other is also highly effective. I love it. <laughs> uh,
1: good tactical positioning can enable you to destroy a numerically superior force. And hit
2: them on a task can also wear them down one at a time.
0: Yes. Uh, a <laughs> clever use of magic, especially control magic, can quickly redraw the battlefield in your player's favor. Yeah. I love it. So uh to me, and uh Like Fireball. Yes. <laughs> I didn't ask how big the room was. Um, so it sometimes this is something that some players I feel like don't understand sometimes. You are not invincible. And no matter how weak an enemy is, if the force is large enough, they will destroy you, period. Um, And sometimes you're stuck in a situation where you have to face something, or some of them. Um, But they just often, at least in my experience, treat it as a mundane strategy. So this actually stemmed off of, I included this stemming off of the encounter where there's an army of demons... And, you know, monsters and stuff where you have to think tactically or you might run into a whole horde of them. Hey guys,
2: Um, pick out their patrols
0: one by one. Yes, and and that that you can do that. If a player approached me saying, hey, um, they got patrols, can we kind of observe the patrols and take them out one at a time and weaken it so when you do go to go in, there's less of them? Um, At least they won't call out as quickly (laughs) to get some reinforcements.
1: But what do you guys (laughs) think over all of this? We need to find a leader. Mangalors won't fight without their leader. (laughs) I like that. Um, All right.
0: Uh, That'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. (laughs) Don't Don't be a a dick. dick. (laughs) (laughs) And you can avoid dickitude by handling superior forces appropriately. Yeah. (laughs) With that, before we close out, every episode we love to give away fat Fat loot. loot. Today we are giving away our best-selling brawler, uh, which is a barbarian path for those who want to punch their way to success, grapple some bitches, um, choke slam, smash the ground like the Hulk, and send out shockwaves. Um, It really is a a fun class. It's one of our uh, biggest sellers. People love it. Who is our winner today,
2: Brandon?
1: Uh, Our winner for today is Locke.Enigma.
0: Uh, Lock, please shoot us an email at critacademy at gmail.com to claim your prize. If you didn't win, no problem. Head on over to critacademy.com and subscribe (laughs) for your chance to
1: win. I thought you were going to say too bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you know if you subscribe to our newsletter right now, you will get a free copy of our best-selling challenge-accepted product. That's it. All you got to do is sign up for our newsletter. We only send three uh, a month, and they're full of good D&D tips and uh, resources for you to enhance your game. I promise I can't afford to spam you, so.
2: (laughs) (laughs) With that, uh, Ian,
0: you want to close us out there?
2: If you enjoy the show and you want to support us, visit us at com. And you can also follow us on social media, and through any service you may be listening to our podcast through, please please leave us a review.
0: Yes, please do, please do, please do. News helps so much. It does. (laughs) With that, um, how about uh, I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm not going to finish yet. We got a big surprise coming up soon, very soon in October, so keep an eye out. It's going to be a very extraordinary opportunity. Blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes.
2: One example of this is he can cast a Guskin. Is Gust. You can cast the Infestation Cantrip from Tenathars. That's right, Gust. <laughs> yeah, that's clearly a
0: typo from the template that I grabbed. <laughs> what a fail! That was my <laughs> It's supposed to be Infest. That's
1: <laughs> a weird, I just te- that's like, a weird way to tell Gust.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. Okay. I'm human. I used one of my uh, previous template that I made. or a t- Back back up. Okay, back up. Back up.